Good morning, folks. Uh, it's good to be home again. Wonderful to be home again. Now, just uh, in case you're sort of sitting there, I don't want you to be distracted today. These are my wife's glasses. <laughs> I went to a wedding yesterday. It's not my favourite thing to do. And uh, I was ducking and weaving, looking for the earliest possible moment to leave. And Robin gave a bit of an indication it was time to go. And I shot out of there so fast I left my glasses on the table. Um, so I don't normally wear glasses like this, so calm down, okay? Nothing to see here, folks. Move on. I've been dragged into the world of technology, kicking and screaming and protesting and not really liking it very much. And, um, but I, I, I've, I've learned to do something on my computer which is really amazing. I can go to your website and I can listen to last week's message. So every time he preaches, I go and listen to it and tick them off one after the other. Yep, that's one of my illustrations. Yep, there's another one. There's another one. <laughs> not one original, not one original illustration from that bloke yet. So, um, you know, I just thought I'd put that in there. Just, just saying, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, would you please? Acts chapter 1. I I noticed, uh, I went and listened to Josh's message from two weeks ago and uh, he announced he was preaching from Acts 1, 1 to 8. But I noticed that he had a little nibble at um, at chapter 2 and verse 1 and uh, uh, because he knew I was coming here to speak on that, that subject, so... You have to have a little bit of a go. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And thank God for the rest of this verse and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I am so grateful for those words. Under the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Um, That cloud was not the fluffy thing that produces rain. That cloud was a cloud of the kind of glory of God. You look at the language and see what the language teaches. Friends, today um, I want to bring you up to speed, up to scratch on that uh, very quickly and then we'll move on into the portion for today. I want to ask you to do this. If you just will embrace what you're going to be taught today with an open mind and an open heart and an open Bible and we'll get in and see what does the word say? You know, at the, end of, at the end of the day, thus saith the Lord is what counts. You take every experience of life and hold it up and look at it through the lens of the word of the living God in its original languages and you'll know the truth. And you'll know whether your experience or what's happening in your life is from God 
or whether it is not. And today I want you to take a, I want to urge you, encourage you to take a very serious minded view to understanding what on earth happened here in Acts chapter 2. Let's turn there and look at it. In the the um, uh, disciples have been told after 40 days Christ's ascension took place and the last message to the church was wait wait until you are empowered from on high wait and they didn't have to wait many days in fact 10 days and 50 days after Passover this event took place to preach on this passage is a most daunting assignment that I think it's possible to give to anybody who respects and loves and to, to teach the word of God because it's just such an amazing spectacular um, thing where God where God has announcing to man I am making a right hand turn I am now setting aside that which I've done for centuries and I'm doing a new thing, a brand new thing that has never been done before and you're a part of it and you're a part of it. That's the beauty of this thing. And I want to try to, um, in a very, in the best I can with English words, uh, is to try to um, bring you to an understanding of what happened here and what that means to you. I've, I've heard people say idiotic things like, what we need today, brother, is, a, is, an, is a, 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 another Pentecost. No, you don't. You just need to make use of the one you've had. And um, we'll show you indeed how to make use of the one that you have had. Pentecost has nothing to do with the church. It is a feast of Israel. It's, it's, the, it's the feast of the first fruits of the harvest. It's not a church thing. It's, if you listen to some people who only ever read their New Testament, you would think that this had something to do with the church. It was just that at, the, at that moment of Pentecost, and I believe that there's an inference here, that Pentecost simply means, Latin means 50, and, and it's an interesting thing how the year of Jubilee was 50 years, and a 50 year cycle. And at the end of that 50 year cycle, every time that cycle ended, those who were in bondage, and those who were in debt, and those who were enslaved, were set free and put back on their own land. They were set free. If ever a people in the history of humankind have been set free, it is those who make up the body of Christ. There is no freer person on the planet than somebody who has been baptised by the Holy Spirit, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, whose life is under the control of the Holy Spirit. There is no greater freedom than that. And it's interesting that this came after 50 days. The, the, um, the, the number related to the setting free um, in that cycle in Israel's history. 
And so we have the, we have God dealing with Israel and dealing with Israel. He sent, he sent drought and he sent um, harvest failure and he sent prophets to turn them back to God and they'd turn back and then fail and turn back and then fail and finally after all of these centuries he sends his beloved son as the Messiah and he, and he begins his ministry and as he begins his ministry he begins to perform miracle after miracle why did he perform miracles to announce himself as the Messiah and therefore the kingdom of God. He said, I have come to offer you the kingdom of God. And they turned and they rejected him. And the rejection we see written for you in other places as well. But in the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew, we see an event takes place. A stunning event, an earth-shattering event, where Christ casts a demon from a child and the scribes and the Pharisees said, you cast out Satan by the power of Beelzebub and Christ turned on them and he said, every sin that a man commits can be forgiven except that one. You cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit and have it forgiven. Now don't get frightened about it. You can't do it. It's a sin, which was a sin only capable of being committed by the nation of Israel against the Messiah. Christ is not here in the flesh. You can't commit that sin. So don't worry about uh, that you might do that one day and miss out on heaven. That's not going to happen. But listen, after, after this event, Christ only spoke in parables. Check it out. Go read your Bible. Study the word. Here's the miracles. Here's the discourses, one after the other. You need to read this in Matthew because Matthew is the gospel written to the Jew. And here he is, one after the other. Boom, 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 boom. If they'd have had their wits about them, they would have recognised Isaiah prophesied that, Jeremiah prophesied that, Obadiah prophesied that. They should have known that. And they should have recognised who it was that they were seeing. But they didn't. And then they accredited to him his works by the power of Satan. He said, that can't be forgiven. Then he begins to speak in parables. And the disciples are confused. And they said to him, why are you doing this? It's like riddles. Why don't you speak plainly? And he says, because seeing they won't see and hearing they won't hear. Jesus' compassion for his people is so great. He said, the greater the light that they reject, the greater will be their suffering in hell. And he took the pressure off and he turned from the offer of the kingdom at that point in time and set his face to Jerusalem. Read the scripture. Read it broadly. Read it deeply. And you'll see this pattern clearly emerge in the book of Matthew. He's sacrificed. He's paid the price for sin. 
Now he ascends to heaven and he says to the disciples, you wait, just wait, just a few days, you wait until the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And that brings us right up to where we are. And look what it says. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, ten days later, they were all with one accord in one place. Now there's the first miracle in Acts. A whole bunch of Christians in one accord in one place. That's got got to be a miracle right there. I mean, we can always find something to fight about, surely. Um, But um, not these guys. There they were. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And I had a bloke say to me not that long ago, um, I was talking to him about the things of God and he said, do you actually believe the Bible literally? Uh, yeah, I plead guilty to that. Like, you know, Jonah and the fish thing, you believe that? I said, brother, I'll tell you how committed I am to the word of God. If the Bible said the sardine swallowed Jonah, I'd believe that. <clears throat> I believe the word of God. You believe the word of God today, friends? Hey? Is the word of, is the word of God that which upon you stand and you can do no other? Um, or is it sort of like a, you know, an additional religious book in your library? I hope that's not the case here. But there you are. He says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, do you think God had their attention? I would have thought yes would be the correct answer. Good answer. A, tick A, very good. Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them. We'll get to verse 4 in a minute. So the very first thing that they saw was fire. What is fire a picture of? From the word go in the Bible, all the way through to here, what is fire a picture of? It's a picture of the judgment of God. No argument here, there's no, nothing controversial about it. It's a picture of the judgment of God. And it appears from studying and reading and, 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 and uh, reading the writings of people much smarter than I am, it appears that there's a pillar of fire here. Does that ring a bell? Pillar of fire? Yeah. Old Testament, you know, that's the stuff before Matthew. And um, there's this pillar of fire, moves into the building, splits up, and tongues, fire in the shape of tongues, starts landing on all of these guys. This is probably the second most stunning experience in all of human history. The first one is the, is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Nothing supersedes that. This comes second, and it's a stunning thing that's just happened here. And I'll tell you why it's so stunning. You see Emma Smith over here. Isn't she beautiful? Boy, she's grown up. She was always beautiful. But Emma is sitting over here, and she's an Old Testament saint. And God says, Emma, I want you to go out and knock off a few Philistines for me. <laughs> You'd be pretty good at that, eh? Mate? <laughs> I want you to go and knock over a few Philistines for me, Em. Uh, and in order to enable you, I'm going to empower you by the Holy Spirit. And out she goes and boom, boom, boom. And down they go like ten pins. And she comes back, but the Holy Spirit's now gone. He didn't stay. 
you know why he didn't stay? Because Emma Smith is the object of human reproduction and is therefore linked to Adam and to the sin in the garden which contaminated the human bloodline which means every human being born from that point forward is sinful. And the Holy Spirit will not conjoin with sin. He won't do it. Holiness is what God is about. So he will come upon an Old Testament saint and he will cause that person to to, to be empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit and then he goes away again. If you want some evidence, go to David's penitent psalm in 51 and, uh, and after he sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan comes and sticks his nose on his finger on his nose and said, David, you're the man. It was you. And David admits his sin and he, and he prays to God with a broken heart and he says, Lord, Lord, he says, take not, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Not his salvation because you can't lose that. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and take not by Holy Spirit from me. You never have to pray that. You never have to pray that. And you know why? Because of what happened here at Pentecost. Because here God is doing a new thing. He's setting aside Israel, not forever, but he's setting aside Israel and he is now creating an organism called the church. Amen? We don't go to church, folks. We are the church. Amen? We are the church. <clears throat> People say to me, what, what church do you go to? I said, the church of Neil Davies is the follower of Jesus Christ. Put any name on it that you like. You know, I don't care about names and tags and all that kind of stuff. I, I went up country when I was a member here. I went up country once. And I was preaching in a, a little church way up in the bush and... Um, I was preaching on be filled with the Holy Spirit now. And there were some trembling saints there because they weren't charismatics. And they were thinking that, that uh, you know, I was going to come and say something that would be very controversial and all that sort of stuff. And we're really conservative Christians here in the bush. And one lady was very afraid. She said, I really didn't come. I said, well, open your Bible, study the scriptural record, and have a little bit of peace in your heart because the Holy Spirit has come and he does want to have a dynamic moment by moment relationship with you now Em, you're, you're not an Old Testament saint love so you're okay all right? <laughs> so what happened here people was the Holy Spirit baptised these believers into the body of Christ into the body of Christ and the body of Christ Paul refers to as the mystery in Ephesians and in Colossians Paul says I declare unto you the mystery you know what that mystery is Christ in you the hope of glory he says I have created, I have created the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and you will inherit the very kingdom of God that I came to offer to Israel. 
and I'm building my kingdom. All across the world today, there'll be a harvest of souls who come in, who the Spirit of God will baptise into the body of Christ. He will indwell them. They will become owned by him. Satan will be given his marching orders and the body of Christ will go like that. And like that. And like that. Day after day after day. Until one day the trumpet will sound and we'll all be called home. And you know what? There'll be some from every tribe and nation in the world. There will be people there of all sorts of cultures and colours and races and, and they're going to be there and they're going to be in one accord. And they're going to do one thing. They're going to be in one focus. And that will be on just a blast of praise for our blessed Saviour. If that doesn't stir your heart, if you'd rather be watching the football, something's wrong, people. This is our heritage. This is, this is what waits for you. I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, I'm, I'm 47 now. I'm, oh, who was that who laughed? Well, maybe 57. Actually, 67. Yeah, okay. It's getting worse by the minute here. You know, a lot of people that I know, they've changed, they've changed the dress. They've changed location. They're living somewhere else right now. And I'm looking forward to that. Robin and I have got three grandchildren waiting for us. We've got a child waiting for us in heaven. We had to say goodbye before we got to say hello. Many people have had that experience. And here we see this cataclysmic event where for the very first time in human history the Spirit of God has come to stay in a human being. And do you know why? Because our blessed Saviour whose blood was uncontaminated by sin went to the cross and voluntarily laid down his life so that you could be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb and the effect of that cleansing is to allow the Holy Spirit to come and live inside you forever. I wish someone would just stand up and say hallelujah. That way, Good grief! Did did it register what I actually said? (laughs) It's all right. I know, you're a nice bunch of nice, quiet community church people. That's all right. right, Look at the next verse. Something else here. This is a big day. In verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is the often the elephant in the room. I, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to preach on this subject, um, but you know, sometimes in the life of the church, um, we set we set themes and we set scriptures, uh, and these things come up. And I think we need to examine these things honestly, and examine them with a sincere heart. And we need to hold up the Word of God um, and say, what does the Word actually say? 
and I want to show you a couple of things here that you may or may not have thought about. Look at verse 6. Sorry, verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, made known, the multitude of these men came together and the King James Version says they were confounded. Now, what that word means, if you go and look um, into the Greek understanding, the Greek word from which we get that, it means they were deeply troubled in their mind. There's no joy here and there's no evangelism here. Stop thinking about this as this great evangelistic outreach. It wasn't that. That came later. Examine the scripture. Show me some people here in Acts 2 who are getting saved. They got saved after Peter preached the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? These fellows here, they're speaking. The, the, uh, if I can just throw that one on you, it's glossolalia. Glossolalia refers to a, a known language. Okay? It's not gibberish. It's not ecstatic utterance. It's a known language and it's all sorts of languages and it's very easy to understand why these people were so confounded, why these people were so disturbed in their mind by what they heard because it's the, giveaway, the giveaway here in the scripture says they were devout men. These were not idiots. These were people who had heard the call and had come up to Jerusalem for the feast of the first fruits. And they were there to worship Yahweh. And they come from all over the place. Any time anybody spoke about the the scripture amongst devout Jews, they spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. But they did not speak Gentile languages. In fact, to to speak of the things of Jehovah, to speak of the things of Yahweh in a, uh, in a um, Gentile language was considered blasphemy. And all of these fellows gathered around, these guys come out speaking, they are Galileans. And they said, how can these Galileans... What's, what's going on here? How can these Galileans be speaking languages that, that, that they don't know? And it says languages plural, not just one, many. And, and all these languages that are mentioned here, and it's a blasphemy. They're, 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 they're talking about the wondrous works of God and they're using Gentile language. What is going on here? And they were confounded and they were upset and they were angry. That's what the scripture teaches us. This wasn't a great evangelistic Billy Graham deal before it was ever Billy Graham. You've got to get that out of your mind as to what this was. So, and you know what, folks? I want to show you now. Come close to wrapping this thing up as quick as we can here without wrecking it. <clears throat> you haven't anywhere to go, have you? Good. 
<coughs> here's the thing. We want to examine the evidence for this event from the prophets. Then we want to examine the event itself. And then we want to examine how the Apostle Paul linked this event to the prophets. And here's what the prophets said. I said, God will judge Israel using two mechanisms. Number one is fire. We already know about that. And number two is foreign language. You want to see it? Come with me to... Um, there's, a, there's a prophecy in Deuteronomy. There's one in Isaiah. And there's another one in Jeremiah. For the sake of time today, I'm just going to take you to the one in Jeremiah. I beg your pardon, in Isaiah, chapter 28. If you want to turn your Bibles there, you can see it for yourself. It's there for all to see. And here we find the prophet... And the prophet announces a judgment on Ephraim. Ephraim, here is Judah in the south, and Ephraim's right in the middle, a little tiny, little tiny tribe right in the middle, and Ephraim here is being, is representative of the whole of Judah. Okay? He's representative of the whole of Judah, and there's a whole, uh, there's a whole, um, uh, array of scripture here, where, where he pronounces, the prophet pronounces judgment. I want you to read this with me from verse 7. It says, But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. Uh, are out of the way is a single Hebrew word which literally means disseminated. They can't think straight because they've been boozing. And it says, The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine, all right, they're completely under the dominance of booze. They're out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Then he says, for all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no clean place. Wow. And now verse 11. Here's the prophecy. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. The short-term prophecy, of course, was, was um, Nebuchadnezzar. He came speaking Syriac, which they would not understand. And that's the short-term fulfilment of that prophecy. The long-term fulfilment of that prophecy is what happened at Pentecost. You say, oh, Neil, gee, that's a long bow, man. I don't see that there. And that's fair enough to say that. So let's go and see what the Apostle Paul did here in Corinth in connecting this prophecy to exactly this, this moment in time. Bear in mind this, people. <clears throat> the church at Corinth was chaotic and completely out of control. And they were doing all sorts of wild things. And Paul wrote this epistle... To, to, to the church at Corinth to try to get some some order around a whole range of things, and speaking in tongues and the use of the, and the misuse of these gifts, this was one of the things that he was writing to. And listen to what he says. 
He says, brethren, in verse 20 of chapter 14, he says, brethren, be not children in understanding, how be it in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. He says, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, and there it is, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. He's quoting Isaiah, 40, uh, 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 Isaiah 28, and he says, with, with uh, men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that, here's the sadness, they will not hear me. Let me just be really quick in trying to sum this up for you. <clears throat> The, the, the gift of speaking in tongues was, tr- was a transitory gift that applied to the apostolic period that ended around about AD 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem. And we have clear evidence for that. The, the, um, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul comes along and, he's, and, and, and they're going wild with this thing and he says, oh, I, I need to get some order here. And he relates this back to this prophecy of Isaiah. In this prophecy of Isaiah, it's judgment. It's about judgment. That's why there were tongues of fire. Every Jew on the planet knew when they saw that fire, they knew what that meant. It meant God's judgment. And and language, instruction to Israel in Gentile language is God's judgment on Israel. He is pronouncing the end of my dealings with Israel. I'm taking you and I'm setting you off to one side and I'm doing a new thing. And I am announcing to you with fire and language, just like the prophet Isaiah said, reinforced by the apostle Paul when he tried to bring the Corinthians into line, where he quotes that, that prophecy and he says... This is an announcement of judgment. It happens two more times in the book of Acts and then you don't see it again. In, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, I'll just touch quickly on this, if you could bear with me. It says, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And of course, many of our friends want to tell us that which is perfect is Christ. And I'm here to tell you that the Greek language simply doesn't allow for that interpretation. It is a wrong interpretation. And what makes it wrong is the gender of that noun. The gender of that Greek noun is neuter. Anytime you see a neuter noun in Greek, it's not referring to a person, it's referring to an object. This table would be neuter. That man would be masculine and that lady would be feminine in the, in, the, in the gender of the noun. It can't possibly be a person, so therefore it's an object and the object is the scriptures. When the canon of scripture was completed, the, the, the whole purpose of, the, of, the, of speaking in tongues came to an end and the reason it came to an end, because once the, once the scripture was completed right around the same time just before Nero came in and he flattened Jerusalem completely and the prophecy of Isaiah found its fulfilment in the actions of Nero in AD 70 no more Israel they're in the diaspora 
they're driven away and if you want to speak in tongues today that's fine I don't have any great argument about it I don't, I don't get into arguments about it but um, I don't know why you'd want to pronounce judgment on Israel when it's already happened <clears throat> when that which is perfect has come that which is in part shall be done away AD 70 down it went now as a student of church history look carefully don't take my word for it go and look for yourself there's no mention of this gift ever again in church history until the early part of last century and some character in Missouri decided that this was still available um, and began this whole this whole process I don't, as I said, I don't get worked up about it I won't let it in my church because it's not biblical <clears throat> and I know that that cuts contrary to what some of you may think and feel about the whole thing Frankly, um, if I can run the risk of never being invited back, I couldn't care less what you think or feel. I care only what the Word of God teaches. I don't care about your experience. I don't care about any such thing. I care about what the Word of God teaches. And here is the Scripture. So it's it's an interesting topic. But you know what, folks? What's, What's beyond more important? is this we live our lives and we live our lives in a hostile difficult world where you are hated there are people on the planet who hate you enough to want to chop you up with a with a machete Um, and you live in a world with with a with a spiritual enemy who is so vicious were it not for the restraining power of God, he'd tear you apart in a moment. That's the sort of a world that we live in. And you know what the world craves to see? The world craves to see a Christian for whom the profession and the walk are the same. Amen? The church, the, the, a Christian, the, 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 the world wants to see that that you done up in your nice Sunday niceties on Sunday morning sitting here is the same thing that they will see on Tuesday morning in the workplace. That's what they want to see. And that is possible, not only possible, but that is that is desirable and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone in his power living within you can drive you to that. One last little story. An evangelist spoke for, a, uh, for, spoke for eight straight days in Indiana and he was given a big check and he went to the bank Monday morning, he deposited the check and he said to the young man, can you please um, give me a hundred dollars, you know, for pocket. He gave him a hundred and twenty. fellow walked out of the shop, the bank, got about that far and Pulled the money out and, oh, you both gave me $20 too much. You turned around and went back. He said, oh, I have money. He said, you gave me $20 too much. You'd do that, wouldn't you? You better. This young man put a little clothes sign there and he said, sir, can I please see you in the, in the, um, you know, meeting room here? He went around and he sat down with him. He said, I've been coming to your, you're that evangelist. I've been coming to your meetings. He said, I heard you on Thursday night preach about honesty 
not being um, not being um, something that's um, you know available to you to take or to leave. And he said, I wanted to put it to the test. He said, I, I gave you a test. He said, now I see with my eyes what I heard with my ears. And I want Christ now. And he bowed, he got on his knees and he bowed his head in that bank room. And that man led him sweetly to Jesus Christ. And you know why? Because he lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. He lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here is a simple little thing for you. Because it's not just super saints. It's not super saints that the Spirit of God is available to. He's available to you and to me because if you're born again, He dwells within you. And here, (coughs) dwelling within you, He's available to you because Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Don't be controlled by booze, but be filled with the Spirit and it's written in the Greek, it's written in what's called the middle voice. You know what that means? That means it's something that you're commanded to do it, but it's something that's actually done to you, not by you. It simply means this. Present yourself to God and ask Him to please fill you today with the Holy Spirit please Lord allow the Holy Spirit to have complete control of my life you willing to do that that is the place of happiness that is the place of joy and that is the place of victory amen and we have been given 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 that privilege in that verse in Acts chapter 2. That's what Pentecost was all about. And we've made it something that it absolutely is not. Today I'm going to give you an invitation as we close. I wonder if Joy might come up and have a little tinkle. Isn't that lovely to see Joy on the piano? How lucky was I? I believe she doesn't do that every Sunday. Beautiful. Friends, I don't care who you are, whether you're the greatest super saint, whether you're the chief of the elders or Emma Smith, it doesn't make any difference. Um, what I want to invite you to do is this. Say, Brother Neil, I, don't, I honestly can tell you, I don't really know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to know today. I, I, I want to have what I am entitled to as a believer in Jesus Christ. Would you present yourself today? to God with that request and I can guarantee you on the authority of scripture that you will go home with the joy of the Lord would you stand with me folks just for a moment every head bowed and every eye closed no one looking around no one looking around brother Neil let's the word is spoken to my heart and I want to live my life like that 
want to live my life like that. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Say, Brother Neil, that's why I want that to be me. Thank you. Thank you. Hands. Anyone else? I want to live like that. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the building. Amen. God is so pleased. Thank you so much. God is so pleased. People whose heart desires the fullness of what he has to offer. Father, um, as we finish the service today, and all these stammering lips that try to explain things of such profundity, forgive my fail. Forgive my failing speech, Father. And take instead, Lord, the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for each one of these dear souls who's raised their hand today, who just wants to know the filling of your Holy Spirit and your power for life to live and to witness and, and, and to worship and to love you. Father, I pray that you would fill those precious souls today. And I pray, Father, that they would leave this place with an abounding abundance of joy in their hearts, knowing, Father, of whom that joy comes. We love you, Father. We love you deeply. And today, in the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you for Pentecost. We thank you, Father, for the birth of the church. And above all, Father, above all, we thank you that you took the gospel to the ends of the earth or we would have missed out. We praise you in Jesus' blessed name, Father. Amen.